Hello, and welcome to another installment of The Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. On today's episode, we have part two of the Death Marshals. Lady Justice and her marshals are hunting a resurrectionist known as Horace Winter, but so far he has eluded capture. I hope you enjoy the story's gripping conclusion. Horace ran. His leg was bleeding badly from the cut he got when he jumped through the window. The cut in his side from the guard's sword had stopped bleeding, as well as a dozen of tiny cuts he had gotten from the glass, but the one on his leg just kept oozing. He had run across three rooftops after climbing up from the ledge, and then had taken to the streets. It was an escape route that he had planned, just in case, and he was now glad for it. How they had found him was a mystery. Sure, they could use the excuse that the snooping old man had said something, but to have an actual captain of the guild guards at his door meant that someone had talked. It definitely wasn't by accident. He would find out who had talked and make sure that they suffered greatly before they died. But first he needed to find a place to hole up for a while. Mentally, he quickly went through the list of people that might be able to help him, but most of them were people that he didn't completely trust. The only one that he did trust enough was dozens of blocks away. He finally decided that he would just have to chance reaching Edward. At least he had the tools and ability to heal him. He ducked down an alley and climbed a wooden ladder to the roof, his leg protesting with each rung. After quickly looking and planning the fastest route to Edward's, he climbed back down. It would be tricky. The area he had to pass through was an area that wasn't populated due to rumours of Neverborn activity. The rumours hadn't been very serious or confirmed, so the Governor-General hadn't ordered that section of the city sealed off. Still, it was a little creepy walking down the darkened streets, the wind and moonlight his only company. He stopped at a corner and leaned against the wall of a building that had once been a saloon. Both sides of the street ahead of him were lined with old storehouses, Edward's place was probably only a dozen blocks away. He pushed away from the wall and started down the street. The coffin missed him by mere inches. What the hell? Horace said as he lost his footing and fell to the ground. To his right, the dark brown coffin sat on the ground, its wood surface rough but looking polished. A large hole was in the wall where his head had been moments ago. Movement down the street caught his attention. A shadowy figure leapt from the rooftop and landed on the street half a block away. Oh no! His heart raced with fear until he could feel his pulse throbbing in his temples. His chest felt tight and tears threatened to spill out of his eyes. Horace scrambled to his feet, his wounded leg threatening to give out as he ran across the street as the pain doubled. He stopped in the intersection and looked back the way he had come. The dark figure was walking towards him, but its movements weren't hurried. Horace looked at the rooftops of the other buildings, searching for the rest of them. He knew who they were, and why they were there. In the distance, he could hear the sound of a wagon. The death marshal reached the coffin and picked it up easily. He held it in his right hand, swinging it back and forth slightly. His facial features were lost in the shadow cast by the brim of his hat, 
but Horace could almost feel the grin radiating from the darkness. Horace looked around again, then ran for the nearest storehouse. He cried out in pain as the coffin hit him in the shoulder, knocking him off balance. He stumbled, but his fear and panic forced him to stay upright. He looked over his shoulder, but the death marshal was standing at the corner, his coffin in his hand. Horace's head whipped around quickly and saw the second one. That death marshal walked into the intersection and retrieved his coffin. Horace turned and slammed into the door of the warehouse. He was sure that it would be locked, but fortune smiled on him. It opened easily. The darkness inside was almost absolute. The windows were set high on the wall and covered with years of dust and grime. No moonlight would come through them. He paused for a moment, trying to get his eyes to adjust to the darkness. A few moments later, he heard the wagon stop on the street outside. The sound of boot heels on stone grew louder as its occupants approached the now open doorway. In a panic, Horace ran into the darkness, hoping that he wasn't running into more danger. He's in there, the judge said as he climbed down from the wagon. His goggles were on his brow now, his pale blue eyes narrowed as he peered into the darkness of the warehouse. He drew his sword and nodded at the marshals gathered behind him. Wait, Justice said. How did you two miss him? Two of the marshals looked at each other and then shrugged. He's lucky, they said together. Their voices were deep and smooth. The third one stood off to one side, his coffin still slung to his back. And where were you? She asked the third one. He was directing us, the judge said. Justice sighed. Very well, let's go get him. The judge grabbed a lantern from the wagon, lighted it and led the way into the warehouse. The smell of dust and blood hung in the air. The room was large, about half the length of the long warehouse, with a few crates scattered about. At the far end were doorways leading to the back. The three marshals spread out in different directions, while Justice and the judge moved through the wide open space. He's badly wounded, the judge said. Lots of blood on the floor. He's also still moving, she said tersely. Missing their target was rare for the marshals. Justice could still remember the last time it had happened, and it wasn't something she wanted to repeat. They had paid too dearly for it. Something about this felt wrong, as if things weren't going to go according to plan once again. We'll be fine, Justice the judge said. She could feel him looking at her. I know, it's just that I don't like it when things go wrong. She paused for a moment. I also gave my word to the captain. I don't intend to break it. The judge took her hand and brought it to his forehead. We will catch him, and you can keep your promise. She smiled. Thank you, dear heart. What would I do without you? The judge bowed. The same thing I would do without you. Cease living. A scream from the back of the building brought their attention back to the task at hand. The judge broke into a run, and Justice followed along behind him, listening closely to his warnings to her about obstacles in their path. They ran through an open doorway and into a large, empty room. The dust was thick on the floor, their footsteps kicking it up and filling the air. 
the motes dancing in the light of the lantern. On the far side of the room, Horace had his back against a wall, the three death marshals near him, but wise enough to keep their distance until they were certain what they were dealing with. Their coffins were at the ready in case he decided to attack. Justice and the judge approached the group of men. Steer back, Horace called out as the two came to a stop behind the marshals. His voice carried through the empty room. You don't know what I can do. Justice smiled at him. And you don't know what we can do. At her words, one of the marshals shook his arm and the lid of his coffin popped open. A faint blue light spilled out, illuminating all of them and casting strange shadows. The light seemed to move and dance about, as though it had a life of its own. Now, Justice continued, her hand near her holstered gun, you can come with us peacefully. If you choose not to, you will wind up inside that box. And believe me, it is not a place you want to be. Horace's eyes moved from face to face. The judge tightened his grip on his sword while the other two death marshals flipped open the lids of their coffins. The additional light dispelled all of the shadows. The room was almost as bright as the day if the sun had been a large blue orb in the sky. The resurrectionist moved slightly, as if trying to gauge which direction he might be able to run, his feet shuffling across the dusty wood floor. Now! Justice called out and drew her gun. One marshal threw his coffin broadside, the lid flying open and facing Horace, who ducked. The coffin went over him, hit the wall and fell to the floor. A moment later, a second marshal spun around in a pirouette and slid his coffin along the floor, staying in a crouch. The judge ran up, planted his foot on the marshal's back and leapt towards their prey. Justice drew her gun and fired a single shot, but it had been aimed at where the resurrectionist had been, not where he was now. In the midst of all of it, Horace placed a hand on the floor and uttered a single word. Through the noise, Justice heard it. Back! she yelled. The judge landed near the man and brought his sword down, slicing across Horace's arm. The man screamed in pain as the floor collapsed under him. Even though Justice and the marshals had backed away, it wasn't far enough. They all fell through the now rotted floor. Justice landed on her back, one of the marshals landing on top of her. She pushed him off and tried to catch her breath. Decay, she said. They hate that spell. She stood up, her body aching and covered with dust and broken pieces of wood. Judge? I don't see him, a marshal to her left said. I don't see anyone other than us. Where are we? She asked. The marshal looked around. Big room, narrow but long. Stairs on the north side going up and down. Lots of crates everywhere. Big hole in the ceiling. Justice grimaced. Why did they think they had a sense of humour? She holstered her gun. Find the judge and the others. Keep your head about you in case our target is lurking about. The marshal nodded and headed off into the darkness. She moved cautiously, partially feeling her way and partially relying on her hearing. She stopped as she heard the sound of running water. It was faint and sounded like it was coming from below. She knew that the river ran through this part of town, but she was pretty sure that it was half a mile or more away from the building. Justice, the judge said, 
His voice was ahead of her, maybe twenty feet away. She made her way to him and hugged him. I was worried, she said. I know, he replied. I can't find him. She let go of him and stepped back. He has to be here somewhere. One of the marshals was with me. Do you know where the other two are? No. I lost track of everyone when the floor collapsed. He took a deep breath. I ate that spell. She smiled. As do I. Yeah, one of the marshals called out. The judge grabbed Justice's hand and led her through the crates. As they got closer, the sound of the water grew louder. The marshal had cornered Horace. His coffin was against the man's chest, and the marshal was pushing on it with his foot. Horace's arms were draped across the top of the coffin, his forehead had a long gash across it, and his left eye was already growing a bruise. He won't be touching anything like this, the marshal said. Nor he won't, the judge said, standing next to them. He raised his sword and quickly brought it down, cutting Horace's hands off. He screamed in pain, and a stream of curses flew out of his mouth as fast as the blood pumped from his severed wrists. Be silent, the judge barked. You have caused us more than enough problems for one night. If you keep acting like this, I'll remove your tongue. Horace quieted down, although he continued to whimper. The other two death marshals joined them, their coffins once again with their owners. Justice moved in and knelt down next to Horace. You are quite a handful, mister, she said to him. We would be very interested in learning who taught you your wicked craft. Go to hell, was his answer. She smiled at him. Of course, the usual reply in this situation. She drew her gun and pointed it at his head. I can shoot you, and just before you die, we'll put you in a coffin. Your life will be spared, albeit temporarily. You will discover what hell truly is in there. She paused. Now, tell us who taught you. The blood from Horace's wrists ran down the side of the coffin, I'll be dead soon, so your threats mean nothing. The judge stepped forward and pushed on the coffin. Talk, dog. Horace yelled out in pain as his ribs cracked. No, Justice said as she stood up and backed away. Put him in the coffin. We'll deal with him later. The death marshal nodded and took his foot off of the coffin. After the judge had removed his, the marshal picked up his coffin, opened the lid, and turned it towards their captive. Horace laughed. You fools! The floor gave out under him. No! The judge said. He leapt forward and looked through the hole in the floor. Justice sighed. He did it again, didn't he? The sound of rushing water was much louder now. Yeah, but how? One of the marshals asked. His hands were cut off. He bent over and picked one of them up. See? Oh, sorry, right. He looked at the severed hand and held it closer to justice. Smell? She lashed out and hit the marshal's arm, sending the severed hand flying. He probably cast it before you caught him. It just took longer to work. She sighed. Let's follow him down, she said. Can't, the judge said. There's some kind of waterway under us, and I think he fell into it. Justice clenched her fists in anger. When she spoke, her voice growled. 
Are you telling me that we just lost him? Are you telling me that some weakling of a would-be resurrectionist managed to escape the powerful death marshals? They were all silent. The marshals looked at the floor. The judge stared through the hole at the water. He was badly wounded, Justice, the judge said, still looking down through the hole. He won't live long, no matter what spells he might have had. Justice's jaw tightened. I prom- She stopped. Her breath was ragged and her fury was almost at a breaking point. Let's go, into the hole, all of us. Justice, the judge said softly, finally turning to face her. Get into the damn hole now. She walked forward until she could sense the open space in front of her. She jumped through the hole and landed in the waist-high water. It was cold and moving quickly. Water splashed her back as the others landed in the waterway behind her. Without a word, they followed her through the darkness. After thirty feet, the water was up to their chests. Another twenty feet and it was to her chin. It's no good, Justice, the judge said. She continued to push her way through the freezing water. Will you stop? He grabbed her arm and spun her around until they were face to face. We have to catch him, she said. Her voice shook and her teeth rattled from the cold. Even if he managed to survive the fall, the loss of blood and the other injuries will kill him. Even if they don't, he'll either drown or freeze to death in this water. He's dead, so we don't bring this one in. It's happened to us before and it'll probably happen again. He let go of her and turned back the way they had come. Let's go. We have to find a way out before we freeze to death ourselves. The death marshals stood in place for a moment, then fell in behind him. Justice didn't move for several moments. The water flowed past her as she cursed their luck and cursed the fact that she wouldn't be able to keep her word. It was one of the few times that she was glad that she was blind. She wouldn't be able to see the look on the captain's face when she told him that they hadn't brought the fugitive in. At last she turned and followed the others. Epilogue Not having hands made it difficult and painful to swim, but Horace finally came to a rest on the riverbank. He coughed as he pushed himself out of the water with his legs. Looking up at the stars in the night sky, he wondered just where he was. He tried to sit up, but the injuries he had sustained hurt too much. He had gotten lucky, that was for sure. The water had been cold and deep, but had flowed fast enough that it carried him outside before he drowned, and the numbing coldness of the water had slowed his heart enough that he hadn't bled to death. The sound of approaching footsteps caused him to try and sit up, but a wave of dizziness hit him. He fell back to the ground, hoping that the death marshals hadn't tracked him. Hello, governor a cheerful voice said. The person was a short distance to his right, holding a lantern. He was fat, the corners of his mouth turned up in a smile. His long coat was dark and he held a shovel in his left hand. As he walked closer to Horace, he made a tss, tss, tss sound with his tongue. Don't you look a mess, he said. He placed the lantern on the ground next to Horace and sat down on a tree stump, the shovel resting against the left shoulder. What happened to you, governor? The stranger asked. Horace swallowed with great effort. I was attacked. 
They did this to me. He raised his arms slightly to show the now handless limbs and tossed me into the river. The large man took a cigar out of an inside pocket of his coat and lit from the lantern. Here, have this. He put the cigar in Horace's mouth. Horace took a small drag and tried to suppress a cough. Name's Mortimer, the man said. I'd offer to shake his hand, but... He trailed off. Too bad about that, though, Mortimer said, pointing at Horace's wrists. Afraid nothing can be done about that. I'll figure something out, Horace said around the cigar. It had a strange minty taste to it. What's your name, Governor? Horace Winter. I work in Malifaux. Mortimer let out a low whistle. Malifaux, Mortimer said, enunciating each syllable. Fancy. Not really, Horace replied. I work as a street sweeper. Ah. Mortimer looked out to the river. I imagine your family be looking for you. Be a mite sick. What with you being up and disappeared and all. Horace shook his head. No, no family. Afraid it's just me over here. A voice came from the darkness of the woods lining the riverbank behind the two men. Truly, how interesting. It was a voice that sounded cultured and refined, the words crisp and clear. A tall figure walked past them and stood at the edge of the river. His clothes were as black as pitch and his top hat looked brand new. He was thin, almost to the point of looking downright gaunt. In almost every regard, he seemed to be the exact opposite of Mortimer. The new arrival turned and stepped toward the two men. My name is Nicodem, and it is a pleasure to make your acquaintance, he said. You have already enjoyed the company of my assistant. Horace looked from Nicodem to Mortimer, and then back. Yes, I guess I have. The man smiled, but it was a smile that didn't hold any warmth. Fret not, my good man, for we are here to help you. He brought up his walking stick and pointed back towards the woods behind them. It is fortune and fate that has brought us to you in this, your hour of need. He leaned in close to Horace. Yes, most fortunate indeed. He stood erect once again. The smile widened and he nodded. Horace had been so focused on Nicodem that he hadn't seen Mortimer stand up, his shovel in his hands. Mortimer brought the tip of the blade down and neatly cut through Horace's neck, leaving the head sitting on the shovel, the smouldering cigar still in his mouth. Well done, Mortimer, Nicodem said. A very clean cut. Be sure to bring the body. Aye, governor. He reached down, grabbed the cigar from the head's mouth, blew on it and popped it into his own. Nicodem stopped on his way to the woods and stared at the man, his disgust was plain as day. Mortimer pulled the cigar out, looked at it, and then looked at Nicodem. What? he asked. I blow on it before I put it in my mouth. Nicodem sighed and shook his head. Mortimer smiled broadly and returned the cigar to his mouth. He bent over, picked up the body, slung it over his shoulder, and followed Nicodem into the night. That's it for another episode of The Weird Chronicles. 
Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure.